Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, what a difference a week can make. You yeah, know? Cool. Um, cooler weather. Yeah, I mean, 20 degree drop from, you know, last Friday to this Friday. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fall. Beautiful. It is fall. And we, we have, finally got fall. We have football in the air. Clemson we do. won Clemson finally. Clemson got through. Yep. So yep. Clemson hasn't lost any. South Carolina hasn't lost any either. Well, that's true. They haven't. Because <clears> we do, haven't played. When, when do they play? 26. 26. Okay. Yeah, we'll be all talking right. about them next week. Good. All right. All right. I Give me hear, a full preview. I want to hear about it. I want to <laughs> hear about it. Yeah. Clemson's got. Uh, Citadel. Well, Citadel. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah in state battle. Yeah, that's good. We need a little bit of breather because Wake Forest wasn't easy. They did play well. They did play well. So, and Big Ten's back in the game. So Absolutely. Now it needs Pac-12. Yeah. They may be there by now. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, know. I don't think they're going to play. You don't? No. Nope. All right. All right. Well, I mean, we could be old news by the time everybody's could, listening to this. So could we'll be. See. Could we'll be. See. Yeah, we'll things see. change. Things change fast. And speaking of things changing, you know, um, your emotions are one of the things that change, and you have to keep that in check. So we're going to talk about um, keeping your in investment emotions in check when yeah. it comes to investing. And it's hard to keep them in check when you listen to the news media. They sell fear, and they do a really good job of they it. They do. Right? They do. They just don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so we got a great article there to talk about that. And then we're going to pivot to some advice from, uh, you know, a very successful gentleman. Yeah, Mark Cuban. Uh, most people know him through the Shark Tank, and uh, he's got a great story. Um I've listened to some uh, historical information on how he started and so forth, and he's a hard worker, and he's got some tips, five pieces of financial advice that uh, he would recommend to people out there. Some things you've heard before, but some some you haven't, so uh, stick around. It's a pretty pretty good topic. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what he has to say. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner at Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. I have an MBA from the University of South Carolina. Well, good for you. Many years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> many, many years ago. So, um, yeah, so happy happy to be here this morning, Steve. Yes, yes, we are. We've got a good Be website, though, right? a beautiful day. We do. We're uh, excited to have you listen to us. Do check us out our website. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon on the website. Yeah, go check it out. We've got uh, hundreds of podcasts out there, a lot of different topics. Um uh, that we cover over time. We have uh, calculators and tools and uh, resources on the website and also have a Facebook page, MoneyMD. And I think we've got Matthew and Ryan up this week doing the uh, the Facebook uh, uh, piece of it, the prescription of the week. So the money, the, the website is MoneyMD.net. Yes, it is. And uh, you can link to us there and you can uh, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Gosh, it seems like uh, just ages ago when the World Health Organization declared that COVID-19 uh, outbreak, they declared it a pandemic, and they did that on March the 11th. Wow. Man, I mean, that's, that's like six, six months. months. Yeah, it just Crazy. seems like so long ago. But, Steve, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, if you look at what the, the market has done since then, the S&P 500 has gained over 20% um, in those roughly six-plus six months. So Because it was already down. It was already down. Um, the low right. was actually the 23rd um, yeah. of, of March. But, man, I mean, no one predicted the markets to recover as quickly as they have. Some yeah. markets are not fully recovered. But, gosh, don't make decisions like emotional decisions based on headlines, which we're about to go into. Yeah. But this is why. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the markets, you know, made a huge recovery since then. Really, we've had five great months, you know, I mean, since the end of March. And um, and it's, you know, I mean, that's just what history shows. That's what markets do whenever things turn around. They market's a leading economic indicator, and it responds very quickly to yeah. the expectation of the future. And the news hasn't been great. I mean, it's, you know, went way down from an employment standpoint. It started to come back slowly. But, you know, a lot of folks would, would look at the news and say, well, there's no way the markets can be up. Right. That's right. But that's yeah. not how the markets work. That's not how the markets work. Exactly. It's discounting, you know, way out in the future. Yes, yeah, looking to forward. Today, today's prices. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that that's a great uh, fact of the week. And that brings us here to our first topic, and that is keeping your investment emotions in check. Um, this is based out of a bottom line article, uh, Frank Murtha, very recently. And but, John, I mean, we see clients all the time who have just uh, watched some sensational prediction, you know, from some uh, so-called expert in the financial media, and they get anxious about the future. Um we all do it, right? I mean, you know, and today that, that usually centers around the elections or the pandemic. Um, however, though, you know, for an investor, one of the most vital forms of social distancing you can do is to keep lots of room between your decisions and your deep-seated financial fears and instincts and your emotions. Um, those will lead you astray, mm -hmm. usually. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not easy. Um you know, you're repeatedly uh, buffeted by, you know, anxiety, hope, despair, and your portfolio constantly seems in danger of being kind of thrown off track by the next headline or the election that's coming up. So, um, but among the biggest challenges is to avoid giving in to the extreme and often contradictory urges and those emotions that you have. Um, so here are some steps that you can take from uh, financial uh, behavioral psychologist, Frank Murtha, um, how you can protect yourself from your own impulses and kind of face the reality of what's going on without panicking and come out of the next market gyration in good financial shape. Yeah, so there's some behaviors that you're going to want to avoid, and uh, we'll kind of talk about the, the damaging and extreme behaviors um, that we see uh, leading investors astray, and then we'll follow by you know some things that maybe you should do differently. So uh, the first one we see is paralysis um, or sometimes the opposite of hyperactivity and you know, either we see some people that avoid looking at their investment accounts altogether. I know I've had that right. comment many times during certainly March when March was a very difficult month. Yep. Um, or sometimes people check them too often and they start making decisions and tampering with them too much. So those are two two areas that um, can be unhealthy from a financial standpoint. And then another one here is selling on, on the slides. So when the markets are going down, you're selling and then starting to buy on the rallies. And so you become emotionally reactive, um, exiting at the worst time when the uh, investments have plunged and then jumping back on the bandwagon when the markets have soared. So that's the opposite of buying low, selling high. You're, right. you're not doing the right actions uh, in there. So that's where rebalancing and having a plan comes into play. That's right. Yeah. And one more, you know, action you can avoid is ignoring your plan or abandoning it. Right. Um, you know, you take actions that contradict your long term investment plan or you alter your plan unnecessarily, you know. So, I mean, all these things are based on emotions. You have to avoid taking action or, or not acting because your emotions get the best of you. Um, so you got to have a way of kind of, of kind of reining in your emotions and, and, you know, setting up some boundaries so your emotions 
don't take over your investment plan. Um, and so, you know, to avoid going astray, you got to keep in mind um, what your goals are and how you plan to achieve them. So the first one is kind of establish some guardrails here, John. I mean, you know, we tell our clients to set up some guardrails um, that'll keep them on track <clears throat> and buffer any emotions that could undermine their long-term plans. So here are six valuable guardrails that he he outlines here. Um, <clears throat> first one's record a short video of yourself explaining your long-term investment plan. So that's pretty good. I mean, it's like documenting. It's just mm -hmm. a way of documenting your long-term investment plan so you can go back and review it, right? It should cover how much you allocate to stocks and bonds and why, your risk tolerance, your tolerance for risk, your time horizon. Um, many advisors recommend writing those plans down, you know, reading it through tough times. Um, it's kind of like having an investment policy statement, you mm -hmm. know, where you kind of state what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, but that's not always enough to provide yourself kind of the, the self-discipline you need. You know, it's a very powerful to hear and see yourself speak um, you know, talking directly to yourself in a video and saying something like, you know, the stock market may not recover for a long time and you're, <clears throat> and, um, you're wavering, um, but you knew this day would come. You can handle this storm because you have a solid, well-thought-out plan and promise to stick to it no matter what. You should be able to weather temporary setbacks and have your years um, for your portfolio recover. And understand that your discomfort now is the price that you pay for your long-term wealth. Yeah, I think a part of that is having a having a plan, right? I mean, if you have a right. plan and you've built in these negative years, you can get through it. But I like the video concept. Yeah, it is interesting. Something you could go back and play and say, okay, you know, here's yeah. my fire drill. Let me let me rehearse. Let me my listen fire to drill. my old self here a little exactly. bit, right? Before making any uh, drastic changes. Another one here is, um, you know, make it a hassle to check your investment portfolio obsessively and. I mean, we see people checking multiple times a day, and even every day can put your emotional roller coaster uh, in high gear, and it cr increases the likelihood that you'll engage in some type of self-destructive panic trading. So you can mitigate this uh, compulsive checking by making it a little bit harder to access your accounts online. So, you know, maybe delete the brokerage app so you can't get it from your smartphone. Um, we've seen people who have elected not to save their passwords on the on the site, forcing them to have to re-enter. And when they don't remember it, they just give up. <laughs> right. look. That'll keep you um, from looking. Yeah, maybe the two-step security verification uh, so that each login requires they receive an additional uh, code. So, you know, take it off your smartphone. And that's probably the, the best tip here is people are always looking at this stuff multiple right. times a day. Right, right. Certain types of people. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you have the right temperament to look at it and you know your long-term plan and you can look at it in context, I think that's fine, yeah. you know, if you're the type of person. But most people aren't. Most people, when they look at it, they fret and it, it, it creates emotions and it creates anxiety and it doesn't reinforce, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. So I think not, not looking at it or at least setting up some guardrails so you're not looking at it often, you know, maybe once a month and not, not every day is probably good for most people. Um, another, another way to do that is to hide the cost basis from your investments uh, from view, when you do check your account online, so you can't see how much is down. Um, you know, many investment websites show you how your investments have performed over various periods and, you know, how it's performing compared to the overall market or large, usually it's just the S&P 500 and mm -hmm. the Dow that they have, yep. which is large U.S. stocks. And that's that creates a problem, right? Because if you're diversified, your portfolio is not the Dow. It's not large U.S. all. It, it's 
It might be it has a portion there, but it also has a lot international and small mm-hmm. and value and other places yep. that aren't represented. So, you know, you have to kind of kind of help yourself keep it in perspective or not not look at how it's done performance wise. Um, sometimes just to keep your emotions in check. So seeing that data, you know, triggers what's known as an, an anchoring effect. You know, your focus on arbitrary short-term numerical values that could inc- that could cause you to react too negatively at the expense of your long-term objectives. Um, you know, and the stock doesn't uh, stock market doesn't care what price you bought it at. Um, you know, what matters is whether you still want to own that those funds or those stocks and whether you're on track to meet your long-term goals, that's really what matters. Um, so, of course, you know, you may want to consider effects of selling an investment, you know, in a taxable account and what it'll have on your taxes. So you want the ability to go and look at cost basis and tax implications, but that shouldn't be your primary consideration, um, you know, in reviewing your portfolio. So just just keep in mind, you know, you don't want to be able to see the performance at the you know, every time you log on, mm-hmm. because, you know, if you'd have done that in March, you might have gone and jumped out the window. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and next next item here is invest in, in baby steps. And, and many investors in the current crisis, they feel like they have to make some, you know, perfect market timing decisions um, or not do anything at all, which often leads to paralysis. So some clients have actually stopped adding money to their 401k plans until they feel certain the market you know, has hit rock bottom. And uh, we feel like the bottom was hit back in March. Uh, No one knows, obviously, but certainly come up a long way since then. And others no longer believe in a particular stock, but they hang on hoping it's going to rise. So that eventual loss they have to take won't be so bad. So this all or nothing type of approach, it certainly increases the risk and it leads to paralysis as you, you second guess yourself. So again, emotions are kicking in here and you feel like, hey, I've got to have the perfect answer. It's not the way the market works. Yeah, that's right. So they say what's better here is the aim to make good decisions rather than great ones by acting systematically. You know, for instance, setting up, um, you know, dollar cost averaging where you're adding money over time rather than trying to make a big score and mm-hmm. put in a big chunk of money at the right time. Um, so do it in equal intervals, you know, over time um, so that you're not, you know, focused on trying to trying to do everything perfect. Um, another thing he suggests here is he calls it the Marie Kondo uh, <clears throat> effect on your personal finances. Um, you know, she is a best-selling Japanese author and organizing consultant who managed, whose uh, message touts the powerful effects of tidying up um, the implications for and tidying up, basically, just mm-hmm. getting more organized. And that has implications for investors, too. Um, you know, you can relieve anxiety about the markets in your portfolio by taking small actions in other areas of your personal finances. For example, you know, call your credit card company, negotiate a rev- lower interest rate or pay off those unpaid balances. Right. Get your credit in order, um, you know, open or add an online savings account that offers higher yields um, than your in your local bank or credit union. Um, you know, learn to deposit checks remotely on your smartphone consolidate your various retirement accounts into one one account, you know, simplify your life a little bit. Those are things that can make you feel good, that make you feel like you're on the right track, um, you know, and, and just put you in a better perspective mentally about your overall finances. Yeah, and the last one here is, um, you know, have some accountability with your investment actions. Maybe it's a family friend, 
maybe it's a family uh, you know member, maybe it's a CPA or advisor, but you know we see the uh, the intense shame associated with having losses tends to isolate investors. And they don't talk to family or friends about their decisions. And without some accountability or someone to help ground their decisions, they wind up making irrational you know, investment moves to satisfy some type of emotional need uh, to avoid temporary losses. So you got to have another person that you can trust to help you kind of manage your emotions. Yeah, that's right. He gives an example here <clears throat> where you know a friend had a well-diversified portfolio but had recently um, was so upset and embarrassed about letting down his family in the market meltdown back in March that he wanted to move it all to um, to cash, you know, his whole por- retirement portfolio. Um, but his advisor told him to be upfront with his wife about such a big move, talk to her first, you know, get another perspective. And after he talked to his wife, you know, I mean, that really <clears throat> kind of relieved the psychological burden. You know, she told him not to do that, you know, to stick to his plan, and, uh, you know, so it gave him the what he needed to to avoid making a rash decision out of embarrassment. Um, so having accountability is really, really important. So in summary, I mean, you have to learn to keep your emotions in check when it comes to investing in order to be successful. You know, it's kind of like golf, John. Everything is right. I mean, <laughs> you know, you uh, you can't let a bad shot get in your head and affect your actions on the rest of your round. Right. You have to play one shot at a time. And you have to forget the past. And with investing, um, you have to set up some guardrails. You have to avoid looking at your accounts too often, um, particularly when markets are down. And you have to set up some accountability measures to keep you in check. So if you follow some of these simple tools, you can keep your portfolio and your financial plan on track <clears throat> for success over time. That's that's the point here. So good topic good and yeah emotions are are difficult very powerful yep they are very important to keep those in check all right that leads us up here to our question of the week yeah I had this discussion with a client this last week so i thought it was a good good uh good question and okay. uh, should i pay off my car with roth money so there's a provision huh. that you can pull out you know contributions from a roth yeah at any point and i was <laughs> like well you know you, you could do that and we see people wanting to use roth for college and it's like you know once you get it in a roth you should leave it alone yeah basically i mean you want retirement ha- money right? it is <clears throat> and and it's, it's gonna be very valuable in the future because you're not going to pay any taxes uh when you pull that money out in retirement so i mean generally the answer i would say is no i guess if you you had a, a you know ten or fifteen percent type of interest rate, maybe you could you could justify it. But I would generally, when it's in the Roth, leave it alone. Uh, it's a great account. Uh, it gives you protection in the future against rising taxes. Right. I mean, it would have been great if you could have paid cash for your car. I mean, that's really yeah. what we recommend is, you know, buy a used car, save up the money, pay cash. Don't don't go into debt for a car. Um, if you can at all avoid it, and once you get it paid off, then start paying cash. Have a have a car fund so mm-hmm. you pay cash for all your cars in the future. That's right. You know that's the key. Um, I think taking the easy way out and taking retirement money and throwing it against your car payment, it, you know, and getting your car paid off is not going to solve the problem because then you're going to get tired of the car. You're going to go buy a new car, and you're going to have another payment, and you're not going to have your Roth anymore. So I'd rather see it do it the hard way. Pay it off the hard way, save money, cut somewhere else, yeah. sell the car, buy a used car, do whatever it takes. Leave that Roth money alone. <laughs> Leave that Roth money alone. So <laughs> good question of the week. All right. And that brings us up here to Mark Cuban's top five pieces of financial advice. Yeah, this is uh, written by Taylor Locke. And, uh, you know, Mark Cuban's now a billionaire, but he spent his 20s struggling 
to make ends meet. I mean, he would frequently come home and had his lights turned off because he wasn't paying his bills. His credit cards were cut off. Um, he had to work a number of odd jobs to stay afloat. And it wasn't until Cuban sold his startup, Micro Solutions, in 1990 for about $6 million that he felt secure. And um, But, uh, you know, he, he did go through some rough times. He learned some money lessons. And uh, so he has you know, five key pieces of financial advice he shares. Um, obviously, people know Mark Cuban primarily through, well, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So I'm, I knew him before Shark Tank. But billionaire, obviously. Yeah. yeah, he's done pretty well. So the first item, which, you know, we wholeheartedly agree with, is try not to accumulate credit card debt. And, you know, he's long advised against racking up credit card debt. And he says, you know, if you are going to use them, make sure you pay the, the full balance on time. And we, we're obviously in the camp of try not to use them. Try to just use a debit card, but don't accumulate credit card debt. Yeah, that's right. He says it's okay to, to use credit to buy a house. You know, mortgage rates are so low, but and houses can appreciate in value. Um, and we agree with that. But he says don't use, uh, you know, don't have a credit card that you can't pay off every month. Um he says the worst investment in the world is credit card interest, and that's a good way of looking at it. Um, and he, you know, he learned this lesson the hard way back in his 20s when he, when the interest on the money he owed on his credit cards quickly accumulated. Um, he said the hardest lesson I learned was getting my credit cards ripped up. Um, I would charge something, and then I would think I'd be able to pay it off and, and then not be able to. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many credit cards I had I had to rip up, he mm-hmm. says. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's great advice. You yeah, don't want to have credit cards. Yeah, he under, understands that it's ex- extreme to avoid using credit cards um, uh, altogether, but insists it's important to pay off any balance. Uh, he basically goes on to say, using a credit card is okay if you can pay it off. Uh, just recognize that if you don't, the eighteen or twenty percent or even thirty percent you're paying in credit card debt, it's going to cost you a lot more um, than you could ever earn anywhere else. So. You know, the, the data that we see from the Federal Reserve, uh, the average interest rate is about 15%. Um, and if you have a low credit score, lower than 670, those interest rates can get up to near 30%. And it's hard to recover when you have balances at 15, much less 30%. It's, it's like a spiral. It's out of control. Absolutely. And so all in all, paying off your credit cards after 30 days or not even using credit cards is the smartest investment that you can make. Um, so try try to avoid credit card debt uh, by all means and, and try to use debit cards if you can do that. The second thing here is is don't buy things you can't afford. Um, the Shark Tank investor's second tip is to live like a student. Uh, that means uh, avoid overspending and spending on things you can live without. So kind of comes back to a budget, right? Yeah, that's right. He says, um, you know, you don't need to buy all this stuff, particularly when you can't afford it. Um, you know, the more money that you can put in the bank, the better position you're going to be if something goes wrong. Cuban learned this lesson the hard way, um, and he, uh, he, he learned the idea, though, from uh, living like a student uh, from a book um, he read when he was just starting out. It's called Cashing In on the American Dream, How to Retire at 35 by Paul Tourist. Terrorist, um, you know, but he told he, he he told the magazine here, you know, that's what he, where he really learned it, and the book encourages readers to live well below their means and to live like a student, and that's. Yeah, I think that's great advice, particularly when you're starting out. Yeah, there's actually a movement out there. You've probably heard of it. It's called FIRE. It's Financially mm-hmm. Independent Retire Early, and it's just a group of people that 
you know, they want to save up early and retire in their 30s, some of them in their 40s. So um, you got to figure out what you're going to do if you retire in your 30s because yeah. you've got a lot, a lot of time left. you got to uh, figure out health insurance, too. That's right, no doubt. So another one here on the list is save enough um, for a year's expenses and then invest. So before the pandemic, he uh, Cuban usually recommended about six months' worth of expenses, which we would agree with. Uh, but in today's climate, he recommends saving enough to cover a year of expenses. So once you've saved, you know, and have a year of sitting in cash, then you can start investing in uh, in mutual funds and start growing your wealth. Yeah, obviously that's that's more than we would recommend. You know, yeah. I mean, three to six months is a typical Typically. emergency fund. So that's a lot today to be sitting in cash because, you know, you're going to earn almost nothing on mm-hmm. that. Um you know, even in the high high interest checking accounts. Oh, there's so not much, yeah, not much interest not, going on. Not much out there. You know, half percent's about all you can get, and that's online. So, but yeah, indeed. I mean, experts often recommend the S and P 500 because it provides you know some diversity at very low cost, um, like an index fund, and generally delivers good long term returns. Um, so that's kind of what he's saying here, but obviously we would lean toward a lot more diversified portfolio than that. Yeah. That's only large U.S. stocks. Large U.S. stocks yeah. went 10 years and made zero. The from, lost decade. Yep. From 2000 to 2009. Actually, if you go back, you know what's interesting? I went back and looked at the last 100 years, and there was a lost decade in the 30s. There was a lost decade in the 60s and 70s. And then there was a lost decade for the S&P 500 mm. in 2000 to 2009. Yep. So about every 30, 40 years, you know, that index yeah. returns zero for an entire decade. So you've got to be more diversified. Yeah, that'll kill a retirement. It will kill you know, it. If it falls at the wrong time, right before your retirement or yeah. right or right after your retirement, even worse. Yeah. It will kill it. Yeah, so another one here on the list is uh, learn to negotiate. This is interesting. He said people don't realize the power of negotiation um, negotiate the price uh, down for the things that you buy. You know, he said, you know, you go into a, a yoga class and they want to charge you 30 bucks. You can say, hey, I've got, you know, a $20 bill. And most people, he said, will we'll take it. So uh, the self, self-made billionaire often negotiated when he was young and broke. So he got pretty good at it. And uh, he said, you know, I, I don't do that much now, he says. Is, he said, when people see him, the price usually goes up now. So, but he said for the longest time, that's how, you know, it, you, he, they survive. So, I mean, if you don't ask for a discount on something, you, you're not going to get it typically. So, yeah, I mean, actually, I think negotiating is a great thing to do, you know, if uh, the, the situation warrants. Um, buying in bulk, you know, is another thing that he, he talks about here. You know, take advantage of deals on Amazon and other places where you can buy in bulk um, because if it's, Money that you're going to absolutely spend no matter what, if it's something you, you need, you need lots of, um, you can save 20, 30, 40 percent. And that's the best investment that you can make, usually if you're mm-hmm. if it's something you're going to use within a year. So, you know, it's easier to be a smart shopper than to invest in the stock market, he says. Yeah. I mean, so if you spent two thousand dollars on some of these consumables, you save, you know, 30 or 40 percent. I mean, you're talking about, you know. Put in, take that money, put it into a Roth IRA over time, and there you go, and yeah. uh, start building some wealth. So, uh, yeah, buying so, in bulk—that's interesting. So, so things mean, like toilet paper, you can go buy fifty hundred rolls right now, maybe. Mm, yeah, <laughs> if you can find <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I think you can find it now, but yeah, that's what I said. Wow, honey, I think we bought in bulk because we have a lot of toilet paper now. So when she went and counted up all the rolls, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, stored up in the attic. <laughs> about uh, about March, <laughs> like I think we got a year's supply. We got, here, we're honey. good. I think we're good. <laughs> so we start talking about emergency funds and toilet paper, right? A, a year <laughs> worth. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, the prescription is talking about qualified charitable distributions. Um, that is when you're um, over uh, 72 or older, you can take money from your IRA. The government this year has waived that requirement. You don't have to take an RMD. But in 2021, this will be an, 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 another valid strategy of taking money if you're charitably inclined and taking that RMD and giving it to a a nonprofit like a church. So we have a lot of our clients that are doing yeah. that. They have to take 10 grand out for an RMD. It's required. And so they would rather give that to a nonprofit. And um, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, I mean, now the standard deduction is really high, right? It's 24,400, I think this year for a married couple. Most people don't exceed that. So you don't get to deduct your charitable contributions. That's right. Well, so, but if you're 72 and you have this RMD that you're taking out of your IRA, you can you can take your standard deduction, so you get the full standard deduction, and you get to give money tax free from your IRA to your charity. So you're still getting a tax benefit for giving to your charity. So you're getting the best of both worlds here, and you avoid that money hitting your your adjusted gross income, which mm -hmm. affects your Medicare premiums, affects the tax you pay on Social Security. Yep. So there's some other things that link to to your your adjusted gross income, and it avoids all that goes directly to charity tax free. It's a great tool. You definitely want to use that if you're age seventy two and take an RMDs. Yeah, and if you're yeah, if you're if you're giving, then that would be a great way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Great prescription of the week there. And that leads us up here to um, the close um, this week for Money MD. Um, tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. Um, you can link to us there on our website or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706. 739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.